0: Uh, I got a question for you. How many of you would consider yourself a snooper? You know what I'm talking about. When it comes to presents, like this season, you're a snooper. You're looking for the presents. How many of you are the snoopers, okay? Okay, I was a snooper growing up when I was, a, I was a kid. My mom only had two places where she had presents. It was under the bed in the back of this closet, and I saw every present. I was an amazing actor. I probably got Oscars. I should have gotten Oscars for some of the acting jobs I did, some of the biggest. I'm like, I had no idea. I knew every present that I ever got. But there's some of you that are next level. And my wife is next level when it comes. She wasn't a snooper. She's what's known as a (laughs) re-rapper. She would go down, find a present, unwrap them, find out what it is, and then rewrap the gift. Did anybody actually do that, or is my wife the only one? There's a couple that are fessing up, that's fine. That seems like way too much work to me. Um, but, but we all have different ways that we go about these things, but whether you're a snooper or a rewrapper, Christmas would come, and it's time to open presents, and there's one thing that every kid believes when they are choosing which present to open, and it's this. Bigger is better, Right? When you're a kid, bigger is better. It doesn't matter. We believe in our hearts like there's a dirt bike in that box, right? There's a pony in that big box. There's something amazing. Usually it's something stupid like luggage, but we have this belief in our heart. And and because of that, it affects the way we behave. It affects the decisions we make. Your beliefs affect your behavior. And this is especially true when it comes to God. What you believe about God affects how you relate to God. And this morning, we are going to confront a lie that if we're honest, many of us believe and we struggle with. And my prayer is that as we see the truth in this passage, that God's going to set us free and that we will see why this Christmas story is so beautiful and it can be so relevant in our lives today. If you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me to Matthew chapter one? Matthew chapter one. And as you're turning there, would you stand with me across the room as we're gonna read our primary text this morning? If this is your first time. There's nothing sacred about standing. It's just our tradition around here to say, God, we honor your word over my words, all right? Matthew chapter one, verse number one says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you do wanna speak to us today, God. It's not just me having something to say. You genuinely wanna communicate something to our hearts today. And so God, we just take a moment, we open our ears, we open our hearts. Would you speak to us today divinely? Would you speak to us right where we're at today that ultimately we would walk out of this place changed? We pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen, you may be seated. I know what some of you are thinking, that is the weirdest passage that you could possibly read at the beginning of the Christmas season. Like, what, what in the world are we talking about here? A genealogy? If you're like me, when you read genealogies in the Bible, you fall asleep or you skip over it, right? Like, that's the normal response, because it's like, this person begets this person begets this it. It's just name, 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 like, ah, whatever. I don't get any of this kind of things. But there is a truth found in this list that confronts a lie the enemy wants us to believe. You understand this. There is an enemy of your soul that wants to destroy you. He does. And this is what he wants you to believe. I'm too messy. I'm too messy. Like, I'm too messy for God. God doesn't want to deal with my mess. He doesn't want to deal with me. He shouldn't have to deal with me and the stuff I've got going on. No, I should be embarrassed Honestly, I should be embarrassed by some of the stuff going on in my life. I should hide, right? I should just hide it all. Or I should at least hide the mess from other people so they don't see the mess that's going When I come to church, I should hide what's really going on in my life because if everybody knew what was really going on in my life, man, it would be horrible, right? Right? I need to just get away from I need to hide. I need to stay away from this. This is a belief or a lie that we often believe And Here's what we have to recognize. I said it earlier. Your beliefs behave. Your beliefs behave. What you believe will show up in your behavior. And when we bite on the lie that says, I'm too messy, when we bite on what the enemy wants us to believe about ourselves, the result is we behave certain ways and it can be toxic for us. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you know, maybe you're just showing up here today and you're like, I'm not really a follower of Jesus. It can make you uncomfortable. Some some people don't show up to church at all simply because they feel like I'm too messy for church, right? Right? I've had people tell me, I'd get struck by lightning if I showed up to your church. And I said, no, you won't, don't worry. But like, we have this belief. I've shared this story before, but it it was, it's happened like four years ago or so. Um, I was down at the Tires Plus, just like half mile down the road up here, okay? So I go in, I'm just getting new tires, not a big deal. So spend time, and the guy at the counter is just kind of talking with me a little bit. And so I can see like, he's open to talk. So I'm like, I'm just building a relationship, just talking to the guy. And there's something you need to understand me. I've shared this before that, I wait as long as possible to tell people what I do for a living, okay? Because the moment I tell them that I'm a pastor, like, everything stops. Like, they seize up, they're uncomfortable, they're awkward, and it's horrible, okay? So so I'm sitting there with this guy, and I'm just chit-chatting, chit-chatting. Eventually, he asks the question, so where do you work? And I'm like, I can get out of this. I said, I work at a a church down the block. And then he gives the follow-up question, which is, you know, what do you do at the church? I'm like, well, I'm a pastor at the church. First words out of his mouth. I'm so sorry I was swearing. I'm like, dude, not a big deal. Like, it's fine. I don't don't really care. Not at all. And then if that wasn't enough, he had to justify He's like, well, here's what you have to understand. In this industry, the guys tend to swear a lot. And so you feel like you got to swear just to kind of fit in with all the guys and all this kind of things. I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. Like, it's okay. Like, that's fine. Not a problem. But see, this is what we get. If we're not a follower of Jesus, this lie that says, I'm not good, I'm, I'm too messy, causes us to stay away from spiritual things, to avoid it because it's awkward and it's uncomfortable for us. But for those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, we know better than that, don't we? We know that God came for sinners. He came to save and rescue us. We may know it, but oftentimes we act like Adam did. You know the story of Adam and Eve. They walk away. They do the wrong thing. They rebel. And in that moment, what does he do? He hides. He's trying to stay away from God. He avoids him, right? He's avoiding the thing because he's like, oh, I'm too messy. I've messed up. I need to stay away in some way. And we can do the very same thing. We have a tendency to try and sweep away the things that are uncomfortable, the things that are awkward. We put on the face before God. We put on the face before man. And we pretend like everything's okay when it's not. We avoid We avoid spiritual things. We don't even pray about certain things because we're embarrassed by those things. You see, our belief that says I'm too messy and listening to the lies of the enemy that say I'm too messy leads us to behave differently. It affects how we relate to God and to others. And so we come to this genealogy that we're gonna look at. And I I would say this, at first glance, it just looks like a boring list of names, okay? If you read this, you're like, yep, this is the part. I would just skip over this. I would not even read this list. But when you read through it, you recognize this is a list of kind of the who's who when it comes to scripture. Like there's a bunch of big heavy hitters in this list. And and if if you did read it, maybe you're like, well, this is just a list of amazing people. This is awesome. Wow, these amazing spiritual people of faith, the pillars of faith. But when you dig into the text, you understand there's more going on in the story. And it reveals a difference. So what I want to do is we're not going to go through every character here. But I wanna go through a few of the characters that we see in this genealogy. And I think you're gonna see something that's a little bit different because this great list of faith begins with a man that many of us know the name of, right? Three faiths begin with his name, Abraham, right? Abraham, and you're like, oh, the man of faith. We understand the story if you're not sure what happens. In Genesis chapter 12, God comes to a man named Abraham. He's an old dude. He's got no kids. he says, listen, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to call you out. I'm going to send you from where you are. I'm going to send you to another land, and it's going to be amazing. I'm going to make you into this great people and this great nation. And it says that Abraham hears what God says, and he believes, and later in Scripture it says, he believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness because he trusted in what God had to say. And he left everything he had and he goes to another land. You're like, man, what a man of faith. And people get up and preach sermons about Abraham and his courage, right? And the faith of this man who would leave everything to go to this distant land. He didn't even know where he's going. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about this man of faith. You go a couple verses later, though, in Genesis chapter 12, it says that, that he and his wife head to a land and into Egypt, okay? And Abraham married a Hadi, okay? It doesn't say it specifically in Scripture, but she's a hottie. That's what she, She's a good-looking woman, okay? And he knows that. And so what does he do? He says, listen, if we go into the land and you're my wife, they're going to kill me to try and get you. Okay, so tell everybody that I'm your brother. Okay, so they go into the land, and she tells everybody that he's using it as my brother, whatever. And Pharaoh sees his hottie of wife and brings her into his courts. But then a plague goes on to Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh goes to Abraham. He's like, what are you doing? Why did you say that this was your sister? Why didn't you tell me this was your wife? He's like, well, I was afraid that you would hurt me. <laughs> Such a man of courage. This great man of faith acting like a coward, right? See, this is the line of Jesus. Jesus. You go on in the lineage it says Abraham was the father of Isaac Isaac the father of Jacob many of us know this this name Jacob right again one of these pillars of faith when they talk about the God of Abraham Isaac and Jacob in fact Jacob's name gets changed to what Israel Israel the people of God are literally named it begins with this man named Jacob what a pillar of faith and yet Jacob uh, was the second And so his brother Esau was the one who was gonna receive the blessing and receive the inheritance. So he drums up a plan with his mom and they go and they blackmail his brother and he lies to his blind old father and steals the blessing and steals the inheritance. In fact, Jacob means deceiver. This in the line of Jesus. We go on in the story though and it says this, Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers, Judah the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. I'm gonna warn you, if you've got a child in the room, you're gonna wanna distract them for a moment, okay? Just giving you a heads up, all right? All right, so Judah has a couple of sons, okay? Has a couple of sons. These sons, uh, one of them marries a woman named Tamar. Now, the son eventually dies. So Tamar is left as a widow. And in their culture, one of the other brothers is supposed to marry Tamar so that the family line can continue, that they can have children, all that stuff. None of the brothers end up doing this. And Tamar's getting frustrated. So she takes things into her own hands. And she goes to a city where she knows her father in law is going to go. And she takes her widow stuff off and she puts on a gown, dresses like a prostitute, stands at the gate, and seduces her own father in law so that he will have sex with her, and they ultimately have a child. And when she confronts her father-in-law, the only defense he has is like, I didn't know you were my daughter-in-law, I just thought you were a prostitute. I'm just letting you know, men, that's never a good excuse, okay? And this, in the line of Jesus goes on, Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron, the father of Ram, Ram, the father of Aminadab, Aminadab, the father of Nashon, Nashon, the father of Sam, and Sam, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. This is the second woman that shows up in this list. If you know, this list is fathers. This is father, 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 father. But this is the second woman they've called out. They're bringing attention to this moment. Now who is Rahab? Rahab, an amazing woman of faith. You see her in Hebrews chapter 11 talking about this amazing woman of faith. She was in Jericho when the Israelites came in and she trusted in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and she decided to help the Israelites in this whole thing, right? This amazing woman, who was she? A Canaanite prostitute. In the line... Of Jesus. You go on, Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth, Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. Now you get to this point in the list, you're like, yes, all right, this is a good one, right? We've got David, a man after God's own heart, the man who killed Goliath, the man who wrote so much of the book of Psalms, and the man who was sitting up in his courts, sees a beautiful woman bathing on another home. And uh, sends somebody to go get her, sleeps with her. She ends up getting pregnant. And rather than doing an honorable thing, what does he do? Has her husband killed to try and cover it up. What a great man of faith he was. And I I just want to be like David. Don't you just want, which David do you want to be like? (laughs) See, we read these lists of these amazing men and women of faith, right? We read these things and we think, oh, I should just try. No, the point of this whole story is not you got to be like them because they got some skeletons in the closet. They got some moments that are a little embarrassing, don't they? But we go on in the story. And in the very next, who's, who's the son of David? Solomon, right? The wisest man who ever lived, right? It's amazing. The man, just so much brilliant. People are coming from all over the world. But he brings 700 women to be his wife. Bad decision, Okay. And they ultimately bring all of their idols. And he gets off in idolatry, worshiping other gods. And then you got the son of Solomon. Who's the son of Solomon? Rehoboam. He gets the entire kingdom, this unified kingdom. And in a matter of two or three days, the entire kingdom is split. Why? Because he's so arrogant and selfish and thinks he knows everything. And you get another, you can read this list, name after name after name. Just people are crazy. Some of these are messy. Some of these are just ugly. It's like disgusting. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. It's weird. It's just wrong. But all of it is messy. And this is why I love scripture so much, because it doesn't gloss over the mess. When you read scripture, you will see the good, the bad, and the ugly. You get all of it here. And why would this be in here? See, I I just remind you that the point of Scripture isn't to moralize men and women, to say, hey, be like David. Which David do you want to be like? Be like Abraham. Which Abraham do you want to be like? Right? That's not the point of Scripture. But why would they get all this detail right here? Why would we bring all of this stuff to the surface right here, right before we're about to tell the story of Jesus? Right? The very next thing, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. Why would we give this list of names? There's several reasons, but one of them, I think, is very, very clear for us when we look at this. And it's our big so-what this morning, and it's this. Jesus came for the messy. Amen. Jesus came for the messy. See, the lie of the enemy is to say the complete opposite of the reality of why Christ came. So I'm, I'm too messy. No, you're not too messy. You don't think God knows you're messy? You don't think he understands that? You don't think he sees it? Look at look at his family tree. Some of you are like, oh, I got a crazy uncle. He's way worse than crazy uncle in this list. Okay. There's some gross stuff in this list. There's some just wrong stuff in this list. He understands it. This list is a train wreck. But this points to scripture. This points to the reality of why he came. He came to save and to rescue those who are lost. He came because every one of us desperately needs a savior. It doesn't matter if you've walked in the door for the first time this morning, or it doesn't matter if you've been serving Jesus for 50 years. You are in desperate need of a savior just like I am. And that's the good news of the gospel. It is that the God of all creation so loved the world that he sent his son into the mess, into the murk, into the disgustingness of what we oftentimes bring into our lives to save, redeem us, and rescue us from the darkness that so often pervades our lives. That's why the gospel is so good. That's why the story of Christmas is so good. That's why this genealogy matters, because it reminds us that we are just like this list, but Jesus came For us, He loves us. He cares about us. Jesus said this I came to seek and save the lost. Jesus said, It isn't the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. And you look in Luke chapter 4. What does he say? Jesus says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Guess what? Every single one of us can find ourselves in this list today. There are points in our life where we need somebody to simply set us free. There are times we are in bondage. There's times when we are blind to the realities of what's going on around us. There are times when we are feeling oppressed by the circumstances. Sometimes it's of our doing. Sometimes it isn't of our doing. But either way, we are in desperate need of a savior. And that's precisely why he came to meet us in the midst of our mess. Something that happened years ago my son Levi just turned 14. And uh, this happened when he was just a couple months old. Uh, I was a new dad. If you've ever been a new parent at the time, especially dads, we don't, a lot of people don't let us hold their babies when they're little. <laughs> and so new dads oftentimes have no experience changing diapers and doing things like that. And so, so I was kind of new to this stuff, you know, and I, uh, Amber was out hanging out for the night. And so I got the baby and this is me, Austin, and I'm playing with the baby. And you just have one of those moments where you go, Okay, (laughs) it's that time, right? And so I, I, I take Levi to the back in into his bedroom. We got the little thing on top, got the little pad on top, you know, and I lay him down. And I'm like, all right, here we go. We're going to do this thing, right? And so you, you unbutton the stuff, you know, and, and, and you learn in time, right? You got you to gotta slip the new diaper under the old diaper, you know? This is something that I learned, you know, so slip the new diaper under, you know, and then I, I do the clutch grip, you know, the ankle clutch grip. You get both ankles with one hand, you know, undo this thing and you clutch grip. over am like, whoa, there it is. Okay, we got two all over the place on this side, you know? And so, uh, So I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh, this is a mess. You know, what do you do? And, you know, this is like a 17 wiper kind of thing, you know. And so I'm just, I'm trying to like, I don't know. There's just so much. Uh, And then you feel like it's on your hand. Like, what am I going to do now? It all smells. It stinks, whatever. But while I'm doing this, again, we got two all over here. And all of a sudden, I start hearing this. "Mm, mm," And I look around on the other side of the leg, and there is now one hitting him in the face. I don't know. I'm, I don't know what to do anymore, you know? You have these moments where like, ah, uh, and so now there's one all over and one's getting on my arm and one's on the wall and now there's just, there's just, it's a mess. There's a disaster everywhere and I don't know what to do with it. And it's one of those moments like, I can't walk away. I've got to f- figure out. And so, so I just... I took the cover from the, the little top thing, took the cover and just wrapped it up around, and just wrapped it around. I just picked the whole thing up, and I just walked him to the bathroom, and just because kind of like, let's get to a hard surface where I can eventually just bleach this thing and be done with it, right? And so I got a picture. This is a picture of Levi, so sweet. Oh, look at the little guy. Wait, wait. Okay, okay. So this looks cute, but when you zoom in, you realize this is sopping wet right here. It's just, it's just a disgusting mess, right? I'm gonna tell you what I... What I didn't do in this moment, what I didn't do was look at my son and say, what a mess. Figure it out, son. You're disgusting. I'm just gonna leave you here. This is gross. I don't wanna do this. I didn't say that, why? Because I'm a good father. And I know the inherent value of my son. I know the eternal value of my son. I don't care how messy, I don't care how messy he gets. My love for him is still true. And I wanna, I wanna talk to somebody for a second because it's possible that maybe you had a really, really cruddy relationship with your dad. And you would say, well, I don't know, my, my dad might've just left me. I'm really, really sorry that that's what your relationship with your dad was like. But you need to hear your heavenly father is nothing like that. He loves you. And a good father doesn't say, oh, figure it out. No. A good father says, I will get into the mess with you. And there's some of you that walk in the door this morning. I'm going to say there's some of you believers, right? You are a follower of Christ. And right now in your circumstance, you're like, it's a mess. There's stuff going on, some stuff that I've created, some stuff I didn't create. Like I had no part in this thing. This wasn't my fault. There's a mess. You need to know that the God of the universe loved you so much that he'll get into that mess with you. He will meet you in that place. He loves you. He cares for you. Okay? There's some of you here that are, say you're not a follower of Jesus. You haven't responded to him yet. You need to understand this. You might feel like, I don't deserve, I don't deserve a new start. I'm screwed up so bad i have walked away from God. Maybe you used to follow Jesus and you've turned from him and you just showed up today because somebody invited you. You need to hear this. You never walk too far away from the heavenly Father who loves you. He is pursuing you. He left the glories of heaven to dip into the mess to meet you today on December 3rd, 2023 because he loves you that much. Okay? But I wanna say this. You know what I also didn't do? I didn't leave him in his mess. Because what does a good father do? Let's clean this up. Right? Let's clean this up. Like when we allow Christ to come meet us in the midst of our mess, guess what? He's not gonna leave you that way. When I picked up Levi, I didn't just say, Oh, you know what, the mess is okay, bud. This is a new smell. Let's get used to this smell, right? I didn't say that. I said, buddy, we're gonna we're gonna get some poop out of your life, right? We're gonna, we're gonna, some things gotta change, right? And that's how our God is. Like, He will meet you in your mess, but He will not leave you in your mess. He will call you to something better, to something greater. And for some of us, we need that right now. For some of you, like I said, there's some of you that are followers of Christ, but right now there's some messes in your life. Maybe you've gotten off course a little bit. Maybe that, 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 that drink you had every once in a while is turning into drinking every single night, and you're struggling, and you can't get away from that. Guess what? He wants to meet you there. Like, don't be ashamed. Don't run away from it. But you gotta deal with that too. And he wants to see freedom in that. We have recovery that meets every Tuesday night at 6.30. You need to get your butt in the door, okay? You need to be here. Because you need a community around you to help you on that journey. One of the things that's been a burden for us is in issues of, of pornography. And so we've got a new group for men that is beginning in January for that area. And if you wanna find out about it, go to our app and you can look under events and get registered for that. But there are some of you right now that are living, you're, you're bound by that. You're like, oh, I can't even talk about this thing. I don't want anybody to know. Guess what? God wants freedom for you. He will meet you there. He will set you free. But you have to be al- allow him to be a part of that. Okay? But there are so many other situations. You've got marriage situations where you've just been avoiding. There have been challenges going on where you're just like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to be. Listen, the God of the universe wants to meet you there. He wants to bring freedom. But you've got to be willing to let him. The same thing is true for those of you who are yet to follow Christ. He will meet you where you are. He will. But the good news of the gospel is that he never leaves you where you are. Some things are gonna change. They will. And that's a good thing because his ways are better. His ways are higher. His freedom is available, but it comes on his terms, not on your terms. And so I wanna get to the challenge for all of us this morning. And it's just a very simple challenge. is this, invite Jesus in. Invite Jesus in. For those of you who are followers of Christ, invite Jesus into that thing that you kind of avoid. That thing that you know about but nobody else in this room knows about because you keep it to yourself. You don't want to acknowledge that thing. You don't even pray about that thing anymore because you're so embarrassed. You don't even want to acknowledge it to God. Invite him into that moment. Allow him to work in your heart. Allow him to work in your circumstance. For some of you, you've never followed Christ. You might be a church person, but you're not a follower of Christ. I wanna challenge you this morning to invite him in, to give him space in your life, to do what he always does, which he is redeemer, king, Lord, who will never leave you the same, all right? There is eternal salvation available for you. And it's not just through his birth, it is through his death and his resurrection. What Jesus did for every single one of us provided freedom. Freedom but we have to receive it, all right? I'm gonna invite you just to respond for a moment this morning. Every single one of us needs to respond to this message. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes across the room. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for the goodness of the gospel. We thank you that you meet us here in the midst of everything that we have going on, in the midst of the messes, in the midst of the things that we're proud of, even in the midst of the things that we're embarrassed by. God, you come to meet us. So right now, Lord, I pray over every heart. I pray for those who are followers of Christ who just, there's been some areas in their life where they just they just stayed away from you. Just don't wanna have anything to do because they're, they're ashamed, Lord. I pray against that in the name of Jesus. There, there is no condemn, condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is conviction. And I pray holy conviction over our hearts in those areas that we've been hiding. Father, that we could bring them to the light and experience for I pray right now that it would just be an invitation. Would you do that right now on your own? Maybe there's an area of your life, maybe there's a relationship, there's a circumstance. You've just been trying to figure it out on your own, and you say, Jesus, I need you. I submit that area to you. Do you have your way in this thing? I surrender this difficulty, this addiction that I've got. I surrender that thing to you. I need you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, God, for the invitation. With every head bow and every eye closed, I wanna talk to those who maybe you'd say, you know what, I'm not really a follower of Jesus. I do the church thing every once in a while, but I've never surrendered my life to Jesus. You need to know this, that the gift of eternal life is available to you. But like I said, it doesn't come on your terms, it comes on his. And salvation is not just simply a thing we hear, it is something that we hear and must respond to. And so by simply coming to Jesus and recognizing his death and his resurrection and saying, Christ, I I believe in you and I submit my life to you. When you take that step, you get to receive the gift of eternal life that begins today, but lasts for eternity. And if you are here this morning and you need to respond to Jesus, you would say, man, if I were to die today, I do not know that I would spend eternity Jesus, you want to respond to him this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, this could be your moment of salvation day. I'm going to invite you as an act of faith to say, yes, Jesus, by simply lifting your hand and saying, yes, I'm Jesus today. I want to respond to Jesus today. Give a moment to do that if that's you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're with us online, I encourage you to respond as well. I'm going to give space to do that. Thank you, Jesus as you responded this morning, I encourage you to pray in your own heart as I pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you pursue me. Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner that needs saving, but I believe in Jesus that he died and he rose again. I believe that he is Lord of all, and and I ask for forgiveness of my sin, and I surrender my life to Jesus pray that you would help me to live for you, to live courageously for you, to honor you in all that I am, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, would you have your way in my life? Help me to live for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.